You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement Week out from the NHL trade deadline. The Flames uh, still off. They're back at it tomorrow night when they uh, take on the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, ahead of Mika Kiprasov retirement night. Uh, that'll be a, a great show. We'll, uh, our coverage will start at 6 o'clock. But to uh, start uh, this week ahead, to look at the Canadian teams and what they're going to do, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, talk with Ryan Dixon, senior writer over at Sportsnet.ca. Ryan, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Patrick. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Uh, let's get to it here. Uh, the Calgary Flames made the trade on Wednesday, uh, sending Chris Tanev uh, to the Dallas Stars. In return, they get a uh, prospect, Artem Grushnikov, a second rounder and a conditional third rounder that can be, or a conditional third that can, they will get that pick if the Stars make the cup final. Just your overall uh, thoughts on this trade as uh, maybe there, the, we all thought they could have got more, but this was, uh, the, according to Craig Conroy, the best fit for his team. You know, I was thinking about how obviously there's always inherent risk of a guy getting injured and, you know, you're striking the balance between waiting it out and, you know, going with the uh, a bird in hand is, is better than two in the bush logic. I mean, Tanev is uniquely um, a unique case in that if there was a guy who plays a style who every single time he's out there, you're kind of worried something bad could mm. happen to him. That is the calling card of his game. Uh, you know, it, it would two or three more games in a Flames uniform have necessarily resulted in an injury? Who knows? But I would say more than, uh, you know, more than, say, Jake Gensel. I'm sitting there, if I'm Craig Conroy, kind of wondering, you know, what happens if this guy just blocks one too many shots? Yeah. And I didn't take the, the, the deal that was on the table. I mean, we know, obviously, too, that, I mean, as much as a first-round pick is what you're sort of, hoping for through all the trades Conroy's made going back to the Toffoli trade last June, you know, the, the common element in all of them is, is a, a guy who can play right now or play soon. And they obviously uh, value the defense. And I'm not going to claim uh, to know a lot about just yet, but mm-hmm. you know, we know he's a 20 year old kid who's got some toughness to his game. Who's probably, you're not that, that far from finding out, what kind of NHL or you might have on your hands. This isn't someone who's going to be, you know, playing a different level of hockey for three more years before he joins your team. You know, he's getting pretty close already uh, being an NHLer. So, you know, that, that obviously played into it. And maybe if Tanev hung out and hung out and, and, and hung out until the very end, he could have got a first, but maybe he actually does value the chance to, to get that player who's going to be closer to much closer to, to playing for your team than anyone you draft uh, this year or certainly next is going to be in, in that tip the balance. And, you know, when you, again, when you bring it back to <laughs> what if that one puck just strikes Canada in the <laughs> wrong spot and, and, you know, all of a sudden the guy who teams are trading for because he does put it on the line no matter what and can't help himself and is exactly what you want for a playoff run, um, you know, maybe it was just best to close the book on it and, Move on to other things because it's not like he's done yet, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's exactly it. And I think that's what uh, Conrad get, uh, what's targeting here. He gets a player that 
that fits into their what they want to do going forward. And like you said, I think he's he's closer to making um, an immediate, a more impact at an NHL level than than what those draft picks uh, would be obviously be doing. And, and then there was the rumor that there was there was a first on the table, but uh, from another team. But uh, you needed to take a likely expensive roster player back in that return just like i think that's what fans i think are kind of like they kind of lose in the fact with these trades is teams value cap space so much more nowadays and that's what you're kind of getting in this with this trade obviously they're retaining half the salary but still just getting a little bit more cap space going forward i think that's what what fans need to start thinking about right now yeah absolutely i mean you see it all over the league obviously with even in this case a third party jumping in to retain more Mm -hmm. on cannibal you know everyone whether it's right now the buyers who are trying to give themselves as much wiggle room as possible, or yes, even a team like Calgary that let's face it does have some big contracts on the books that aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Of course, um, you know, just maintaining that little bit of, uh, of space helps. And, and who knows how, again, Calgary's not done dealing with the Hannafin situation. I mean, it, who knows what, what pops up where maybe that's a case where if you do, you know, you retain or take something big back mm-hmm. from a team, it can really help sweeten the pot there. So, you know, there's still the things have been fully crystallized for Conroy and this team at the deadline. And, you know, there are still there's, I mean, one big ball in the air still. Yeah, things can change with the uh, with the one remaining UFA that they have uh, in Noah Hannafin. It feels like uh, the camp, uh, his agency might be the one that are kind of holding this thing up by seeing what teams will uh will he sign an extension with and whatnot i mean this happens in the nhl for sure teams give permission but like how should like connor it's almost like they need a first for noah hannafin no question and i mean i have to believe if noah hannafin is signing an extension with a new team um if if there is no first involved there's a a serious prospect oh, coming yeah. back you know someone you you expect i mean this is a player who with his name on an eight-year deal somewhere else, is going to fetch a, a serious return. And I, I think uh, a first is the starting point, for sure, um, uh, of a package that's going to be plus-plus. So, you know, I think for Conroy and the Flames, it's obviously in your best interest to let the Hanson camp go out there, see what might be done with what team, and then see if you can strike a deal. I mean, he has limited no-trade protection, and if Calgary you know, can't work something out with a team that he uh, can work in an extension out with. They still have other options, but obviously before you get to that point and say, all right, well, we're going to trade this guy, you know, you would love to trade him for a team that is, uh, you know, knows is trading mm-hmm. for a 27 year old guy who's going to be with them until he's 35. Exactly. Uh, we'll stay in the Pacific division. Uh, it feels like Ken Holland and Kelly McCrimmon over, over this next week, uh, it feels like both teams are kind of looking for the same thing. How do you think that arms race between the Oilers and Vegas Golden Knights will be heading into the trade deadline? Well, obviously Vegas has a little bit of an advantage on the yes. Oilers in that we know they can use the Mark Stone LTIR and, and um, not going to be back in the regular season. So, you know, that's something that's that definitely equips them better to go after again. So, I mean, it's always the same thing with the Oilers. They're so up against it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, from a mentality standpoint, you know that they are absolutely all in from, uh, but from, you know, the, uh, a cap standpoint, what exactly can they do? I mean, the Oilers do have their the 24 and 25 first rounder, you know, they haven't traded them away at previous deadlines. So, you know, that's a, again, a great starting point to do something, but, you know, I just wonder if at the end of the day, the Oilers are going to have to wind up shopping a little bit more in the 
in the bargain mm. bin than Vegas. Um, I mean, we know obviously the the Knights weather any time of year, they're, they're never afraid to make a big deal. And, and, you know, last year swung the barbershop deal and, and that wound up being something that really helped them on their way to, to winning the cup. So, I mean, you know, Vegas is all in, you know, they've got this little extra wiggle room now with the stones injury. So, you know, does that vault them to the front of the Gensel or, or do they call the blues back after mm-hmm. those two teams hooked up last year and say, all right, we know the Butch Nevich, uh, cost is high exactly how high is it um, but I yeah I, I do think right now in, in between two teams that could well face each other in the first round Vegas probably has a leg up on uh, you know having a little more leeway a little more breathing room in the arms race do you think home ice in, in a series like that for the Oilers matters more than it would for Vegas yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're Edmonton, just from the perspective of trying to get, you're the team trying to get over the hump as opposed to the team that knows it can win anywhere. I mm. mean, I, I just always think of it as it is the old, like it doesn't really matter until game seven. And and not that you can't lose a game seven at home, teams do it all the time. But I, I honestly think in some ways the current format um, – it's almost an advantage out of the shoot for the team that starts on the road. Cause if you win one of those two games, you, you just feel fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the other team, you're sort of immediately on the back foot. Like if you lose game one at home, you're immediately in yeah. a situation where you're going, well, we have to win game two or we're in real, real trouble. Um, but yes, I do think, you know, when it, when push comes to shove and you're pay, you're playing the, the, the winner take all game, you want last change. You want your guys feeling comfortable and all that, but it's hockey. It's never really mattered that that much relative to the other sports, the yeah. home ice. So, you know, I don't think anyone's killing themselves to get to the to the number two seed, but probably it means uh, I would think it's a little more meaningful for the Oilers. Uh, out west uh, in Vancouver, it's been a, kind of a, a, a mixed bag really since uh, the Lindholm trade. I believe they're under five hundred uh, just by a game, but you've had. Uh, the Elias Patterson news where, oh, is this guy not going to sign long-term? Is he going to be traded to the Carolina Hurricanes? Now it feels like he will sign with the Canucks. Just what do we view the Vancouver Canucks uh, right now? They, they lose last night to the Los Angeles Kings. This is obviously still a, a, an elite team out west, but do they feel like they need one more piece uh, before, you know, to go match like a Dallas or Vegas, for example? Yeah, I mean, again, I think obviously this is a team that you mentioned Lindholm and, and obviously Zadora before that. I mean, they did a great job getting in front of things that, mm-hmm. you know, not just making moves, but I mean, the, the Lindholm move was, was a huge move. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just, you know, obviously you're now getting squeezed further and further in terms of that cap space and, and what you can do, and you've already dealt away one first-round pick, so... I mean, you look at the back end, and even with Zadorov, um, you you think certainly they could use a little help there. Um, I mean, we know that they would love to get their hands on Gensel, but that's probably just a little too expensive uh, cap and package-wise at this point. So, I mean, I, I think probably largely it's it's around the margins at this point, and and that's fine because you have gone out and added a guy that is, is mm-hmm. a top six forward and, and, you know, was one of the, you know, the, the top center on the market. Um, but, you know, I think at this point you're just sniffing around a little bit and, you know, the Pedersen thing, you do wonder if, uh, you know, if they're calling a news conference in the next few days to say, look, this thing has been put to bed. We signed in an eight year extension to stay here. And, 
you know, that this is done and dusted. Uh, you know, by no stretch do I think the guys on the team are preoccupied with that situation. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, it is a solid player on your team that there's just been this little tinge of uncertainty surrounding the really the whole year ever since the deal didn't get done in the summer. I do think um, for a team that up until recently has basically faced no adversity <laughs> this year and things have gone great, it would be great to put that to rest. And, you know, I think it probably does change the vibes a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you can just focus on locking up that top spot in the Pacific because, again, as much as Patrick Alvin and, and Rutherford, I'm sure, are sniffing around, it just feels like that team has probably exploded yeah. its powder already. And, and you know, what they've, you, what, what you got is what you got. Uh, one more team out west could talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they were winning. Uh, they didn't look uh, all that great last night, but even when they were winning, they weren't looking all that good doing it. Are there worries with this group that even Connor Hellebuck won't be able to mask it come playoff time? Or is this team like, hey, if they add one more, they'll be all right. But it just feels like every time the Jets get going here with a good team, it just something happens to them come playoff time. Well, I mean, Monaghan has obviously worked out oh, yeah. great uh, so far. I mean, he is kind of a dream fit. I think that's why that trade got done so early mm-hmm. is it just made, you know, so much sense. And I wonder if there's a buy low middle sixer they could look at as well yeah. to just try and add another little dash of scoring. And um, and again, like, a, a, a you know, a, a four, five, six defenseman. Like, is there someone else they can put back there? on on a second or third pair that would just help them uh beef things up a little bit um i mean i i do think with monahan there you know you start looking down the middle you know shifley was out for a while he's mm-hmm. back um shifley monahan lowry i mean lowry's a fantastic oh, third yeah. line center um velardi's been in and out uh obviously last night. And, we forget. <laughs> and 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 kyle connor obviously missed a big chunk too so you know, to some degree, things are probably just evening and working out in the wash a little bit standings-wise for um, for the Jets. And, uh, you know, they, they've got it tough because they're going to draw Colorado or Dallas in, in the first round, you would think, in the 2-3 spot, unless they can uh, climb up to the top spot in, in the central. But, you know, I the think... The games in hand are nice, but, yeah, I get what yeah. you're saying. They're still number one in points percentage, I believe, in the West. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. maybe they can, maybe they can end up with a wild card draw, and not that that's any walk in the park. But um, by the same token, it's it's better than probably seeing the Abs yeah. or or Stars in the first round. So I mean, I, I again, I think for the most part, what you see is what you get. They've spent a first round pick to get a second line center, and and that fills a, a, a you know what was clearly a big mm-hmm. hole for them. Um, but you know, you've got to just hope the the Rick bonus tight defensive system that they're playing backed by Hellebuck means when those games tighten up, um, you know, the Jets are really going to be a lock it down team. Can they get enough? (coughs) Excuse me. Can they bury enough? You know, can a guy like Perfetti take a step in the Mm -hmm. playoffs? Can Villardi stay healthy and and produce the way he has when he's been in the lineup? Um, If so, you know, I think they've got a a decent chance to, to go on a bit of a run. Uh, Toronto, uh, they were in on Tanev, uh, obviously didn't want to pay the ultimate price. They get a defenseman, uh, after the game yesterday, they know him and Elia Labushkin, maybe not the needle mover, but is this kind of what Toronto is going to do? Or is there something else that they, they maybe want to do? Cause it, it's been a good team, uh, since really, since Austin Matthews says, Hey, I'm going to put you on my back. I'm going to carry you as he's on his pursuit for 70. Uh, does it feel like this team needs one more thing to get them there? Or is it like it's Labushkin? 
I mean, they love probably another defenseman. I just don't know that it's going to happen. Because and, they just don't want to know, pay the price, right? Well, I, I feel like the thing with the Leafs, too, is when it comes to moving prospects, it's either a clear no-go with Cowan and Minton or mm-hmm. their next tier is immediately like, well, the other team's not that interested in this guy. You know, it's, yeah. it's either you're talking about two guys who have been great finds for the Leafs and they would be absolutely loath to part with and you'd be – you know, you'd have to be getting something in, incredible back, uh, or if they don't, they just don't really have uh, a player that's that clear. Like, well, he's not an A prospect, but he's a B guy, and you package him with this pick, and and you've got something back. So, I mean, it's certainly the sense before their current hot streak, where they won eight of nine, and you know, Matthews has just been going off. I feel like was they were definitely going to lay back, and it just got to a point where they had to do something. Uh, with Labushkin and and obviously pulled the trigger last night. You know, Joseph Wall obviously just came back. Samson Austin playing yep. uh, a lot better in the past uh, 10, 11 games. You know, the Leafs, I, I think, can can feel pretty decent about their goaltending. And I, I don't, you know, I know we're not we're not talking about uh, prime carry price here or anything, <laughs> but, you know, you do hope that maybe Wall can mask a little bit of the defensive problems that, you know, they're almost certainly going to have just because they – of the composition of that blue line and then the inability to really, really upgrade it. So we'll see. I mean, uh, if they keep winning games in the next week, uh, maybe that forces for a living game mm-hmm. a bit. But my guess is we don't see Toronto jumping in on anything really big just because, again, they, they don't, you know, unless it was, uh, you know, just a, an absolute incredible return coming to Toronto or our true difference maker. Um, I don't see them dipping into their moving their best prospects. And, you know, they've been spending picks at the past few deadlines here. So that's, you know, getting pretty depleted. Uh, quickly here before we uh, we let you go here, the, the Montreal Canadiens, they're, they're a team that, like, you kind of, they have pieces that you might want to trade, but, like, okay, well, I think they'd want to move Jake Allen. We, we'll see on David Savard. But overall, just, like, the Habs approach, they could be a silent deadline, but I think it's more just like seeing what they have in their young guys. What have you seen from Yuri Slavkovsky as he's starting to maybe try and, and figure it out here as uh, he was just the first overall pick a few years ago, and we know how 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 hard of a market is to play out in Montreal. Yeah, I mean, he, the past, uh, really since before Christmas, has been playing well, and yeah. then the, the points started to come and, and have continued to come. So I think... You know, the thing with the Canadians is even though they're more or less in the exact same spot standing-wise as they were last year, you've mm-hmm. got to feel a lot better for your Montreal because of Slavkovsky's development and, and of Caden Gooley's development and, and some of the young pillar guys on your team. Nick Suzuki, I think, scored last night, uh, or maybe picked up an assist, but he's producing at the the best rate he has in his career, and you're mm-hmm. seeing guys that you're counting on to be there for a long time are starting to show either – in the case of Suzuki, maybe my ceiling is a bit higher than some expected. And in the case of Slavkovsky, uh, I am worthy of a super high draft pick. And you were right to take this chance on uh, a very unique package that, mm-hmm. you know, not every first overall pick is, is going to step into the league and kill it. And, you know, he missed half of last year with injury. So he's probably only at about, my guess is he's sitting around 90, 95 NHL games total, which is obviously basically one season, right? So, um, that's not a ton of experience, and mm-hmm. he started to to really show his potential. I do think, um, uh, quite frankly, I mean, if without knowing what uh, 
what's come through uh, Kent Hughes's email uh, inbox in the past couple months. I, I don't know exactly what the waiting game is on Jake Allen if they have found a suitor because yeah. uh, e- even if it's just a third-round pick without the Canadians retaining, I don't, I don't think they want to do that because the contract runs through next year. But to me, this is a get-what-you-can situation because you want to really turn the net over not only to Montebeau but to Caden Primo, who they've kept up all year because they're afraid they're going to lose them on waivers. And you want to see this guy get eight more starts the rest of the year. They've been in this rotation that uh, is limited everyone's starts. And and I think if you're, you know, you've signed Montembeau this year, you believe he's number one, get him in a situation where he's playing 60, 65% of the games and or 70% of the games and get Primo some starts so you know what you have mm-hmm. heading into the summer. So, yeah, we'll see. I think it's overall a positive story there. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I expect David Savard, unless they get their socks knocked off, will still be with them past the deadline. Uh, and tomorrow night, uh, Calgary Flames are going to be retiring uh, number 34, Mika Kiprasov, uh, ahead of their pe- game against the Penguins. You got any memories uh, of Mika? He was, uh, he was quite the character here and obviously one of the best goalies to ever do it here in Calgary. My memory of that 04 team, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think was the epitome of, I mean, unless you were an Oilers fan, <laughs> everyone else in Canada was cheering for Calgary. It had been. 10 years since the Canadian team went to the final was right still in the heart of when it didn't even seem possible that a Canadian team would make the final after, you know, still kind of on the heels of Winnipeg leaving and and, uh, And Quebec almost left (laughs) Calgary. Right. And and all of a sudden they're there driven by, um, you know, number 12 up front. It just, was just like, can this guy score another big goal? Yeah, he just did. Mm-hmm. And the goalie that they traded for, you know, six months before that. And yeah, I just remember I was actually moving to Alberta. I was in the process of going way up to Peace River, Alberta, oh, wow. to start my uh, my uh, journalism career. And uh, I, the second night I stopped on my way out there, I grabbed a couple adult beverages and watched uh, Game 7 of Tampa, Calgary in uh, some low-life hotel <laughs> somewhere in Wisconsin or Michigan and was pulling hard for the Flames, but uh, didn't quite get it done. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Keeper Soft was obviously an enormous reason they got to that final. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just uh, just solid as they came there for, um, you know, basically a decade after that. Oh, yeah. Uh, just absolute workhorse, uh, just absolute, uh, you know, quiet human being, but uh, just fun to be around for sure. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much uh, for taking some time to and some, uh, some NHL, some hockey, or some Canadian teams about ahead of the trade deadline, and we'll, we'll do this again very soon, buddy. Okay, sounds good.